Episode 107, Dennis Bernstein, fresh back from New York. How are you? I'm doing great, Jay. A new week. Let's get to it. Development camps on the horizon. Excited to uh, do this episode with you. We are seven sleeps away, Dennis, from development camp ramping up, which is a pretty exciting thing. Of course, hopefully you saw. I know you were on your way back last night, but hopefully you saw my my Ric Flair tweet because he's excited. So yes, if he's excited, yes. I'm excited. <laughs> there were only eight sleeps to go at that point. Now there are only right. seven sleeps to go. It's really hard to believe, Dennis that it's not just about development camp. We have not seen the inside of Toyota Sports Performance Center, TSPC, in at least 18 months. So yeah. it's going to be pretty exciting just to start to feel normal again, you know, par- try to find parking, <laughs> to go inside, <laughs> to freeze, because, you know, it's like sub 40, you know, minus 40 in there. Uh, but it, it, these are all complaints that I'm willing to live with because I'm excited to to get back to normal again. Oh, absolutely, John. And I can't. Yeah, I, I was doing the math, and it's been 18 months. That's a long-ass time, and, and you know, another sign that we're at some point going to get back to normal. So, yeah, I'm excited about it as well. It's so funny, Dennis. There was once upon a time where we would look at, oh, God, we had to drive <laughs> all the way to El Segundo and, like, find parking and then, like, you know, stand around for two hours. And uh, those are such first-world problems at this point. It sounds, it sounds really exciting <laughs> to go and watch a, gunch, a bunch of kids practice hockey and just you know move a puck up and down the ice it sounds exciting given given that we uh have developed a little bit of cabin fever here at least i have i mean not you you're a world traveler you uh you're fresh back from new york we'll get to that in a in a a little bit here this episode uh coming up in the second period dennis we're going to be joined today it's going to be the kotp hat trick we've already checked off of our list two of the three newest la kings we of course had victor arvidson on a pro on the program live from sweden a while ago then we had Alex Edler also coming to us from Sweden um, on last week or maybe the week before, but we are going to be joined today by Philippe Deneau. Now, Dennis, you are on um, Montreal radio quite often. How, how's your French yeah. and what's your pronunciation of Philippe Deneau? Well, je parle le petit, le petit français. So a little, I'm pretty good. I had three years of uh, French in high school, so I remember probably 10 words. Uh, so I, I think it's Philippe Deneau. Yeah, you did it okay. perfectly. Let's, we'll have to uh, we'll have to ask him about that when that comes on. You know, always looking for connections here, DB, uh, when it comes to either the guests or different segments that we're doing. Today, we are coming to you from beautiful Los Angeles. This 90-degree weather streak will not stop, Dennis. It's, it's still over 90 degrees here in Southern California. We're coming to you, though, from the beautiful Yannick Perot Studio. And, of course, we could start with just more pronunciations. Is it Yannick? Is it Yannick? I, I mean... 
Unless you're from New York, then it's Yannick. But yeah, I would think it's Yannick. Long A, Yannick. Maybe that's where I'm getting the Yannick from. Maybe I've been spending exactly. too much time with you or something uh, doing Probably. a New York you know, pronunciation from the Bronx or something. But uh, Yannick, 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 I can't even say it now. He, of course, played for the LA Kings from 1994 to 1999, spent some time uh, in the Quebec League as well. Here's the deal. He, uh, interestingly enough, was traded to Los Angeles from Toronto, played here from 94 to 99, and then was traded back to Toronto you don't see that very often with the player you know going from and to the exact same team but that happened he played uh, over uh, or almost 900 NHL games uh, Dennis here's really the story though that I wanted to share today more more on him coming up later but for now he was the first ever player that was actually traded for uh, by old GM Sam McMaster now McMaster had made another trade right before that, which was just a draft pick. He had traded Jim Pack away for a seventh rounder from Ottawa. But in terms of acquiring a player, he was the first player that McMaster ever acquired, Yannick Perot. Um, that happened on July 11th for a fourth rounder going to Toronto. And here's story time with the mayor, DB. In the history of the LA Kings, now they've been around for over 50 plus years, started in 1967. In the 50 plus year history of the LA Kings, how many general managers do you think they've had? I would think they would have had 15. 15. So you would have taken the over then because the correct answer is nine. And All just right. to uh, rattle off some names here. And actually, I'm, the reason I'm sharing part of this is I would have thought more as well. I was a little bit surprised. Um, mm -hmm. So they've only had nine. Uh, Larry Regan was the first one. Uh, he had him for the first five years from 67 on when they were first around. Then Jake Milford, then George McGuire. People start to remember if they're longtime Kings fans. Uh, Rogie Vachon was actually the GM from 84 to 92. Obviously, something very significant happened during his tenure. The Kings acquired uh, this guy, Wayne Gretzky, from Edmonton. And uh, then after uh, Rogie, you had Nick Beverly for a very brief period of time, then Sam McMaster. And then after McMaster left, you had Dave Taylor, who had a really good run from 97 to 2006. Then, of course, after Taylor left, you had Dean Lombardi, who had a pretty decent run from general, as a general manager, from what I understand. And then starting in 2017, Rob Blake took over. So those are your nine. But I want to focus in on Sam McMaster. So let me kind of set the table here, if you will, DB. He was sure. hired by the Kings in May of 1994. Now, a little quick background on McMaster. He was previously the GM of the Sioux Greyhounds in the OHL. He had served as the director of hockey ops for the Washington Capitals. Um, he also was uh, back in the OHL was the GM of the Sudbury Wolves, which was Quentin Byfield's team, among many other players. And more recently, current times now, he's been a scout for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's even um, paid a couple visits to uh, Staples Center during the years. But I want to really set the stage here. So in 1993... The L.A. Kings go to the Stanley Cup final. They're riding the peak of the Wayne Gretzky era, right? Gretzky arrives in 88. They go to the Stanley Cup final against Montreal. Happens to be the host team of, uh, or the former team, I should say, of, of our guest today in Philippe Deneau. But in 1993, they go to the Stanley Cup final. 1994, things really went off the, the rails quickly, Dennis. In 1994, it was the strike-shortened season. Uh, but on top of that, the Kings did not make the playoffs. So that, that's a hard fall. You go to the cup final in 93, yep. you don't make the playoffs in 94. So they decide to clean house a little bit in the front office. Sam McMaster comes in uh, soon thereafter, or not soon thereafter, but uh, seven games left the following season. So uh, less than one year into his tenure, he fires Barry Melrose and longtime assistant uh, uh, coach Cap Raider as well. So he's gone. 95, uh, he hires Larry Robinson. McMaster does. So, you know, Hall of Fame player. Uh, Larry Robinson's going to take over as the coach of the team. 
And later that year, the team goes into bankruptcy protection and runs into a lot of problems with Bruce McNall. So uh, a lot is happening so far. Uh, that's not even the end of it. There's more to come. In 1996, his third year on the job, he trades Wayne Gretzky and then basically everybody else from the 1993 team except really one key player, which just so happens to be Rob Blake, okay, because everybody else he traded away. Um, on the plus side, during McMaster's uh, tenure, he did acquire Matthias Nordstrom, who ended up going on, of course, to be the longtime captain of the Kings and arguably the most popular player in LA Kings history, Ian LaPerriere. Lappy, of course, everybody loves him. Uh, in 1997, Sam was fired after three seasons and he was replaced by Dave Taylor. And so if you really think about it, after all the drama that happened on McMaster's yeah. watch, through Dave Taylor's tenure uh, from 97 on, he really set the table for what would be the success of the LA Kings. And, you know, Dean Lombardi, of course, built upon that and was the architect to the King Stanley Cup runs. But I want to get back to McMaster's trades also because uh, July 26th, he acquired Sean O'Donnell and July 29th, he traded away Luke to Pittsburgh. So there are more connections kind of to the Kings front office here. And then his final trade in uh, March of 97, so about six or eight months after that, uh, he, his final trade, he acquired Glenn Murray from Pittsburgh. So Sam McMaster has a lot of <laughs> fingerprints all over the current organization. Little did we know back then, McMaster the disaster, as he was known at the time, uh, little did we know that his fingerprints would still be on the organization some, I don't even know, Dennis, 25 years later. And that's the story. So he, he would, how was the connection or what was the connection was his very first player has kind of been lost in the shuffle with sure. all of those other big names that I just mentioned, but his very first ever trade as GM in acquiring a player. So he called up Toronto and he said, hey, I'll give you a fourth rounder. You give me back Yannick Perot. And the guy ended up playing here in L.A. for more than five years, and that's the story. There you go. It's an intriguing story, absolutely. There's a lot of fingerprints on it, like you say. How many GMs, Dennis? Were you paying attention? How many GMs? Nine. Did Kings have? <laughs> okay. So Nine. Make sure I didn't lose you there. Story no, you time with the mayor. Me. No, that okay. was a good story, absolutely. Uh, before we bring in Philippe Deneau, we do, of course, have to do a quick numerology segment, Dennis. Of course. Uh, because he has officially already been uh, assigned number 24. Now, I say that only because in recent times when we've had Victor Arvidsson on, he kind of broke the story that he was going to be moving to 33, as many assume. And then we talked to Alex Edler, and he told us he's going to be moving to number two, which was rather intriguing. Uh, we talked about that. And before we get to 24, though, you had asked me on the last episode which number has been worn by the most people. I guessed number 12, or I said number 12, mm -hmm. and that is correct. 12 and 10 have both been worn by 32 players. Uh, what is interesting about that also is that if you go, well, what's the next most popular or most common or most worn number? Mm -hmm. There are five numbers that have been worn 30 times. So 12 and 10 kind of have a couple, couple player head start there. Mm -hmm. uh, but for today, the number 24, which will next be worn by Philippe Deneau, has um, already been worn by 18 players. One, of course, was very briefly, which is Leah Sanderson, and uh, we'll get to that. But um, in terms of popular names among the, the group that has worn that, uh, Don Kozak wore the number from 73 to 78. Longtime fans will remember that. Jay Wells, of course, who I think the Kings immortalized with a bobblehead a few years ago, if I yes. remember correctly. Was that the fighting bobblehead or the fist bobblehead? Was that the Jay yeah, Wells one? Legends Night, I believe. Legends too. Night. Legends there you Night. go. Exactly. Okay. Uh, that was 1980 to 1988. 
Um, let's see who else. Mark Hardy wore the number briefly. Michelle Petit wore the number. Nathan Lafayette, another one of those uh, players long lost in LA Kings history. Probably the most popular player of recent times, or one of the two players, of course, Lubo wore the number. Lubomir Vishnovsky wore the number in 2001 out of wore it. But really, uh, Alex Froloff, Alexander Froloff, who wore the number for about seven years in Los Angeles, was very popular. Um, I mentioned Colin Frazier on the last program as well, because when I think of 24, I think of Colin Frazier. Sure. Uh, there's also, of course, Derek Forbert. He wore the number. And Christian Wolanin wore the number. But we talked about it in the last episode, Dennis, that he is now changing to 86. Elias Anderson uh, wore the number very briefly as well. And the next player, of course, he uh, recently signed a six-year contract. Hopefully, he'll be in L.A. for those six years, and he'll get an extended run with number 24, Dennis. That would be Philippe Deneau. So there's your numerology segment for this particular episode of Kings of the Podcast. That's a lot of numerology. Not only did you answer 24, but you told you gave me my answer to who, who's worn, uh, what number's been worn the most. Well, when you ask me a question, I, I mentally try to make a note of it. Now, I'll admit that sometimes I forget, but on this particular one, I did not forget. So um, <laughs> I will also let you know that um, it wasn't long after the episode published that I had two separate listeners message me and uh, let me know that I was right, that it was number of two. Course. They, they listened to the episode and then went and looked it up because, you know, they were probably curious as well. So uh, thanks to the listeners who, who chimed in with that. You know, our listeners, DB, I want to hear about your trip to New York, but I do just want to mention this. Our listeners or even readers of Mayor's Manor, for that matter, they really intrigue me at times with the, with the things that they do. So we haven't had some new fresh shirts on the uh, Mayor's Manor store for a number of years. Right. But uh, with this new logo that we came up with about a year ago, uh, I thought it was time. You know, it's summer, nothing going on. Uh, let's refresh the store. So I threw out some new T-shirts and everything. Now, here's something that you might not know. Privately, I've never sold the Mayor's Manor onesies for little babies. I've never sold sure. those before. Um, However, privately, when guests of the show or friends of the show or whatever people that we know, when they have babies over the last couple of years, I have had a Mayor's Manor onesie made up and just uh. mailed it off to them. And, you know, just like a, hey, thanks for, you know, sure. whatever. Being my friend. I don't know. Um, and, uh, you know, they'll typically send back a little cute picture of their kid or, you know, whatever. And I just never have. It's just always been like a private thing that I've done. I've, right. Even of course. Pictures, I've never posted them or anything like that. But I, the point is, I've never thought to sell the, the onesie before, because when I think of Mayor's Manor, I don't think of babies. I think of, you know, full grown men and women, right. which is why they're, those are the T-shirts that are available. But I don't know why I was just setting up the site and, and, and I saw the onesies. And I, I mean, I'm just going to put this on the store. It's funny. I'm going to call it like the prospect, you know, onesie. <laughs> right? And it's a fut future yeah, prospect, great. right? <laughs> Dennis, within the first two hours of the store going live, six orders came in. And you That's know what fantastic. the six orders were for? Of course, you can figure it out by the setup on the story. Six separate orders came in. The only thing that was purchased in the first two hours were onesies. So that's, I, that's apparently amazing. I've been doing it wrong all these years. You've been underserving the public, John. Let's go. <laughs> so, so I guess now we're going to need a Kings of the Podcast onesie. I don't, I don't, I, I don't hey, know. Fashion don't trends. Know. Who knows, John? Who knows? Sold more of them over the weekend as well. Did sell some T-shirts and things like that. So Fantastic. thank you to everybody for uh, contributing to either the Mayor's Manor tip jar or to purchasing uh, any of the apparel, uh, including the onesies, but Dennis, we'll have to, we'll have to work on that. Um, enough about onesies, Dennis, uh, tell us about your trip to New York. Well, New York was fantastic. If you love 
95 degree weather with 60% humidity. So that was uh, fine. But uh, you had me we on the first out. part, but not, not the humidity. <laughs> yeah, it, it's part. just the humidity that we went to the reason. Let me give you the backstory, right? Okay. So uh, the lovely PJ, my wife, when the Dodgers had opened up their ticket sales, um, when it was restricted, when it wasn't full capacity, uh, she selected. She went on the site and thought she had selected seats in the first row of a section. We have seats downstairs, right, um, uh, in the field level. Uh, unfortunately, she picked the, this R1 uh, row, which is the bar stools, the okay. back row, right. right? And she felt she was so crestfallen. It's, it's family tickets that the, the family, our family business has it and stuff like that. She was, she was so upset that I said, I got to do something right now. Sure. And so I booked the, I booked the flights to New York. So to take her to New York for the Dodgers games um, at uh, city field. So, uh, and she ultimately, we got the, the tickets moved, but she was so crestfallen and we had a, a great time. Um, city field, John, I don't know if you've been, oh, yes. maybe. I have, no yeah. Yeah. So you saw Santana's no hitter. Great park, amazing park. We had great seats, a, a lot of fun. We went to uh, cut at the uh, Four Seasons uh, uh, downtown one night, and then we took this amazing boat trip. You know, some people do the circle line, some do the, the big boats, the big party boats. We had this like little speed boat. This guy, you know, it's a, called a New York Media Tour. Basically, 90 minutes around Manhattan, guys going 30 miles an hour in a boat, like giving us amazing shots. I tweeted some of them. So yeah, it was I fun. Yeah, I to ask you about yeah. that, Dennis, because you're normally not much of a tourist, uh, or at least you no. don't present yourself that way via social media. And so I was seeing all these great shots. They were like postcard shots. They like, were, John. And I was yeah. like, what, is he downloading these somewhere? What's going, what kind <laughs> of a tour is he on? Because no. they were yeah. great, great shots of key New York landmarks. Yeah, we were on the Hudson and the East River. The guy d drove us around. He's been on that war on the water for about 15 years, but relatively young guy. He took us around, and yeah, we were underneath the Brooklyn Bridge. We went by uh, World Trade. We actually went up to the Observation Tower as well. I'm not a big tourist. John, the only other tourist thing I've done, I think you might have done it in Chicago, is the architectural boat ride around on the Chicago River, which is amazing. You get to see I have all not the architecture. Next time you go, John, in good weather, absolutely do it. It's it's you will. It's a delight. So yeah, I'm not a big time tourist, and you know, basically we went to see baseball games, but uh, this one. You know, I know what my wife likes, and she, I know she would like this, and so it was great. And it was only about six or seven people on the boat, so it was really private. It was almost like a private tour, so it was a lot of fun. And uh, now, Dodgers on. won. Is that, yeah, is that because that's just happened to be the number of people that had booked that particular trip, or like what at full capacity, how many people would be on this boat? Just in case I, you know, want to go. Is it like relatively twelve and small? Oh, so yeah, it's even, twelve, even at full capacity, yeah. that's still a relatively exclusive, you know, thing that you're doing. Yeah, we, when we pull up to the pier, it's down in Battery Park. You, you see all these larger boats, and then our boat's like this really small, not not runty boat, but it, it's it's small. But you know, the guy was an amazing driver. You know, we're, there's there's wakes obviously in the water. Bigger boats are doing their thing, and every time we hit a wake, he slowed down, and there wasn't any. So you might feel like it's not the most substantial boat, but this guy did an amazing job, yeah. and we had fun. We and yeah, the, the shots from the Statue of Liberty. He says, I'm going to get to really good shots. So he's probably going a couple hundred yards of, of Statue of Liberty, took those shots. So yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and the Dodgers wanted to win in two games, and her favorite player now, her new, she has a new favorite player in, oh. in Will Smith. So Will Smith's her new favorite player, so okay. she's going to buy that jersey, but it was a lot of fun. The, the, and you know, the Mets fans are are decent people so it wasn't bad we you know she got yeah. a little bit of she sat next to a met fan um friday night which ruined the met fans um 
uh, evening. But uh, two extra inning games, a lot of fun. We flew back yesterday, and uh, and uh, that was it. But it was it was a lot of fun. It, it was it, New York is great, and and we stayed in Lower Manhattan, John. And I, I can't, you know, I'm I'm a born and raised New Yorker. I love New York, but LA's my home now. I can't stay in Midtown anymore. It's just too too crowded. So we stayed downtown in Soho. It was easy to get out to the park. It was just a nice, fun summer weekend in New York. So you took the train, I'm assuming. No, I rented a car. I'm oh, a you did? Oh, it. It's yeah. so great to get. That's the best part about city, though. You just take the train right in. Boom, you get off yeah. and you walk across the the plank, you know, wood there, and you're you're at the stadium. It's fantastic. Jay, Jay you know my wife. Is, is my wife going to take the subway when it's 95 degrees and 60 percent well, humidity? That. Yeah, yeah. That's that I, was a mitigating circumstance, Sean. I normally avoid the New York in the summer. Period. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, if you're going to go in the summer, you have to go. I early. asked her as an option. We were yeah. at the, we were at the and we Ubered around town too because I just yeah. I just used the car back and forth to City Field. But I, I asked sure. her. I said, "Do you want to go in the subway because we had World Trade going back up this Canal Street?" She goes, "No, no, no, yeah. no." So, August, August in New uh, York. John, no, not for me. August. John, going to san diego <laughs> yeah friday night john it was brutal because it the, it never got cooler like there was no br- saturday night was it never it was it was literally like 88 degrees with 67 <sighs> humidity at the end of the game and it was an extra inning game that ended at like at 10 30 at night so it was yeah, yeah you would have you you it's would have like been going to uh the ballpark in texas i think i've told you that story. oh yeah oh, for God, the first yeah. time the guy picks me up at the hotel. I'm in like a T-shirt because it's hot out during the day. Right. And I have like a lightweight jacket with me because, you know, I'm used to going to Dodger games. <laughs> right, and it gets exactly. A little, little chilly after the third inning yeah. at times, right? And the guy's laughing at me like, why are you bringing a jacket? And I'm like, well, it's a nighttime game. And he's like, no, you'll understand. It's going to be 85 at midnight. Brutal. It's going to be, you know, yeah. like you said, it's gonna be like 60% humidity. It's going to be terrible. And I was like, ah, you're crazy. You know. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm carrying the jacket around the whole time. Well, of course, yeah, exactly. My, my first experience in Daz, the in Dallas at uh, going to see the Texas Rangers at the old yep. ballpark because I guess they've replaced oh, it since then. But. Even more brutal. Yeah, the, the new park's great, but the old park, they, I've been there a couple of times in the summertime. It's just, yeah, I don't know how you do it, man. All right, so uh, I did have one more. I mean, those, I want to go on that cruise, though, or that, that boat ride because that's yeah. fantastic. Uh, just really looks amazing there. I do want to just circle back, though, real quickly before we move on. What What is it about Will Smith? I'm always curious about why people latch on to certain players. Was Is there anything specific that... Why Will Smith? She says he's a good look. He's a good looking guy. He looks like a okay. good guy. Looks like okay. a good kid. So she just felt a. She's like, ah, I like this guy. He's that's my guy. So she just felt yeah, a young guy, good okay. looking guy. Yeah, that's it. Okay, all right. I don't know. Sometimes there's a there's a different reason. I just was you know my guy. My guy is JT. That's that's yes. my guy. All the he way. just doesn't look the same though, Dennis. With without the beard and you know the whole thing and the hair. The and loss. Just, yeah, the weight loss. He just doesn't look the same. I mean, he doesn't look bad. He just. It looks so different every time You're he comes into the batter's box. Not used to it, box. exactly. Yeah, I'm Absolutely. still not used to it. <laughs> All this this deep into the season. Still not used right. to it, though. Exactly. So uh, as long as everybody on the team can kind of get healthy in time for the playoffs, the Dodgers um, might be uh, – they might have a shot here. But, man, the, yeah. the injury bug is just Oof. ravaging this team this year. Agreed. Uh, one last thing on the Dodgers. Fred Clare mentioned this the other night after um, the Field of Dreams game, which – did you catch that, Dennis, by the way? What an amazing, amazing game and an amazing ending to the game as well. It was just a wild, wild scene. But um, Fred Clare was interviewed uh, after, and they were celebrating the, uh, the 1988 World Series team. And he mentioned something that I had never thought about before. You think about the L.A. Dodgers. and I mean, this is like one of the most storied franchises yeah. in baseball, right? I mean, you could say the Yankees, the Dodgers, you know, right there. Uh, the Dodgers, for all of their success, they've never won back-to-back World Series. Right. 
he pointed that out. And I was like, yeah, he is right. Because when you start to name the name, I mean, not that he was going to miss, give out misinformation, but you just, it makes you think and you go, oh yeah, you know, 81. Yeah. They had an opportunity there with those early Tommy teams. uh, What they went to the world series, I think in 77 and 78 lost to the Yankees and then finally won in 81, but they could Mm -hmm. have had uh, a back-to-back there, but um, could be an interesting year. So there you go. And Dennis, you mentioned the fans. I have long argued that the fans in New York and the fans in Boston are not as bad as people make them out to be. I've actually found them to be um, very engaging, very entertaining. I love the passion. Um, they're, you know, they'll argue with you, but they'll also buy you a beer, too. They're great. I have yeah. found that the absolute worst fans, and I've told you this before, they're in Philadelphia, which is funny, <laughs> of course, uh, you know given my secret love for the Flyers, but, oh, God, the fans in Philadelphia. That is a brutal, brutal well, market. Well, John, based on Saturday night, the Rams fans were probably oh, up there. If you saw the, <laughs> the video you sent me. Yes, you, you did avoid quite the Donnybrook at the uh, – <laughs> the video itself is fine, but um, did I send you the video with JR and, and Jerry Lawler? Yes, you did. Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> it even Fantastic. Better. But, oh, yeah. Man, what is going the, – the guy challenges – I mean – I don't know if he had backup and his friends just vanished once things got going, but it essentially looked like on the video, and of course it's missing context, our favorite word, but it looked like favorite word. it looked like it was the guy, one guy who was offering to take on four or five people. It didn't really work out in his favor. Um, man, it is, it's rough going out there, Dennis. This is why we can't have nice things. I know, John, and, and I'm a season ticket holder. So I'm just, I can't wait for that type of fight to break out in front of me for uh, the Bears game on uh, a couple of weeks from now. <laughs> well, please stay safe, okay? We need we we, we enjoy your stories, Dennis, but we don't need we don't need any more stories on the podcast with fans taking on fans. <laughs> hey, look, uh, Philippe Deneau is on the other side. He's been waiting long enough. Let's check in on him, Dennis, and see what he uh, see what he's thinking right now. Hey guys, c'est Dano ici. Restez aux alentours. Je avec vous en deuxième période. All right, DB. Uh, I did not really understand. I think that was in French, but apparently he is ready to go. And so we uh, have an English language interview coming up for our listeners. Maybe we'll do half in French like they do on the media calls where um, the first questions are in English and then the second half they're in French. And I always feel rude hanging up. Like, But I also at the same time don't know why am I sticking around because I don't understand anything they're talking about. What do you do? Do you hang up or do you hang on the line? No, I hang up. As soon as I say, okay, now we're going to go in French, I'm like, okay, that's it. And it used to be better at live, right, when they used to do it uh, when uh, – I forget when it was. It's it was uh, Claude Julien. And I'm not sure where it was or what playoff round it was. But, you know, yeah, the French, now the French question is like, I get up, like walk out. So, yeah, it's not <laughs> – But I feel like I'm rude say. if I just hang up. I feel yes, like I'm, I'm I get supposed it. to stick around, but it doesn't – it doesn't serve me. Just do a uh, peace out. Like, just do a yeah, mayor peace out. Like, we're good. It doesn't serve me any good. Uh, but, hey, coming up also after the second period, I should mention, Dennis, we have a laundry list of L.A. Kings news items, breaking stories that we'll be talking about. So uh, coming up right after the break, though, we'll talk to Philippe Deneau, and then we'll be back in the third period. We'll talk to you right after the break.
Welcome back. Second period, Kings of the Podcast. We are going to keep our international theme going. We've headed over to Sweden a few times to talk to Victor Arvidsson and uh, Alex Edler, and we're going to bring it back to North America. We'll go to Quebec City now, and uh, Phil Deneau, the newest member of the LA Kings, he of the big six-year contract. Phil, how are you doing? Hey, John, I'm doing great. And you? Well, I, I've been working on my, my French tongue, I guess, and I was going to say welcome to the program, Philippe Deneau, but uh, you said Phil when we first started, so I guess we call you Phil. That's that's what we're going with? Yeah, I think Phil is easier a little bit, so then there's no mistake. Or It's uh, it's my nickname, too, so it's great. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, how's, how's my French tongue? How's that? Philippe Deneau, how's that? Uh, it's pretty good. You see, you can keep working on it, but it's good. Okay. I feel like I'm, I'll show you something. Good, please do. I, I feel like that when I say that, I, I sound very stuffy. I'll I, tell you my name in French right now. Okay. Philippe Dano. Philippe Dano. <laughs> yeah. Is that better? Dano. Yeah. Yeah, it's better. Okay. So it's more Philippe I don't than Philippe. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to put that much accent on the fillet, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, uh, we've, we've already lost half the listeners, but thank you, that's good. We're, we're, let's, 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 let's move on <laughs> now, that we, have that, okay, now cool. that we have the pronunciation down. I'll work on that, I'll work on that. Um, so from what I hear, it's been a pretty boring off-season for you, huh? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so boring so far, and uh, now, honestly, uh, so many things going on in my life... Uh, as a family too, like moving quick, uh, get a house, uh, win the cup final. So it's quick turnaround and obviously I'm really happy to be a LA King, but a lot of things to do before the, the train camp start. Yeah, for sure. Now let's go through a number of things. Why don't we begin um, with the phone call that you originally had with Luke Robitaille? Because I remember on the media call that we did with you uh, after signing, you had pointed to the fact that, hey, one of the things that really excited me when the Kings were interested in me is that Luke called me and he was talking in French. And so I, I made a little quick note of that because I remember Eric Belanger, former LA King, came on the podcast a couple of months ago, and he did a great Luke Robitaille impersonation or impression, uh, talking in fr- like this broken French accent. So can you can you tell us what Luke a little bit of what Luke told you in French? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, the call was uh, with uh, Rob Blake, Luke Robitaille, and uh, Todd, mm-hmm. uh, coach. So. Um, uh, they were all there and just they're just saying hi and then you see Luke in the back, hey Phil, ça va? Like in French. <laughs> that was uh, that was actually kind of funny and it was uh, yeah he's a great person and he definitely uh, had some uh, good uh, we definitely have some good talk together. Yeah, Lucky can tell a great story, and obviously he has many of them from his Hall of Fame career, but some of his better stories actually come from him moving to Los Angeles, flying into L.A., not knowing anybody, having never been here, um, you know, kind of being taken under the wing of uh, Marcel Dion and, and learning English and all that sort of stuff. Did, did you guys, you know, maybe uh, talk about that a little bit, and did you see some parallels to what you're about to experience here? Uh. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty similar, to be honest. Uh, but obviously, Luke is there. He know, like, he's been there, like he just said it, and he knows it. So uh, uh, I'm sure he's going to be there for us. Like all the guys, I'm sure we're going to fit uh, really well. A um, couple girls uh, text my wife as well uh, to welcome her. So it, it was nice. And um, obviously, it's going to be a big change, but um, for a big change for everything, every single thing, like, uh, we used to be in Montreal. We won't speak French, and now we go to LA. It's just English. 
mm-hmm. which is okay. Mm-hmm. We loved it in uh, Chicago, and uh, well, we'll get our English going. So it's going to be a, a great uh, six years. Yeah. Now, your wife, Marie, from what I understand, she might be the only French-speaking wife on the team. I know you mentioned a few have already reached out to you, Nicole Brown, et cetera. Uh, you know, they'll be great at helping welcome her uh, and the whole family, for that matter, uh, to L.A. But maybe Marie can teach them French. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it can go both ways. Like, uh, we speak two languages, so we can help uh, definitely for French uh, less than if they want to. But uh, I think we're going to have to speak English. It's going to be easier. <laughs> well, who, know, who knows? Maybe we'll have a, 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 a bilingual uh, group of wives and girlfriends here in Los Angeles moving forward. Look, this is not going to be all Habs talk. We have a lot of L.A. Kings stuff to get to. But I do, I do have to ask you just two Montreal-related questions before we move on. One is about the fans. They're they're just complete fanatics. They're on top of you guys everywhere. They love the team. They're they're just very passionate, longtime fans. Uh, can you speak maybe uh, about that and dealing with that on a daily basis? And then what it was like during the run uh, up to the Stanley Cup final here this this past season, and how they even ramped it up to a new level. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously Montreal. We know like the and media and all the whole market it's not a, an easy market to play in and um, especially as a French guy like to be honest like it's it's not always easy like we, we the fans are so passionate that um, they're really uh, like one the best player in the world and the other like so uh, it's like they're um, down a lot and the whole market and I think it's always they're the crowd's so so good in uh, Montreal. The fans are really really passionate, and I really enjoy uh, my time in Montreal. Uh, to be honest, and uh, uh, the fans were great to me and the media as well. So uh, it was uh, it made it made it a little easier for me, but uh, definitely a really hard market to play. Yeah, for sure. Now, the other uh, Montreal-related question, I have to ask you about Tyler Toffoli, a former L.A. King, drafted by L.A., grew up in the L.A. King system, longtime fan uh, of Mayor's Manor, and we've had him on the podcast as recently as just a, a couple of months ago during during this past season. Just uh, your experiences of playing with Toffoli and, and what it was like for him in Montreal. Oh, tough. Uh, was a great addition for Montreal. Uh, we really needed that. Uh, it was scoring some big goals in depth uh, on the team. Uh, played a big role uh, uh, in us to the Stanley Cup. So, um, Tough is a really good guy. I was uh, getting really uh, along with him. So, uh, great buddies. Obviously, some good buddies. And kind of funny story that I took to his whole team and he went to mine. So, um, great switch. And we actually uh, talked a little bit about it. Like, I wanted to know uh, what was uh, going on in L.A. and um, did the same thing when he came in Montreal. So, um, yeah, yeah, great, great buddy and uh, a great player as well. So maybe that's how we were able to get you on the show for today. Maybe Toff uh, sent you a text and said, hey, if you're going to the Kings, you have to get on Kings of the Podcast. Oh, yeah, it's all because of Toff. <laughs> all right. Uh, what about your number? Because numberology is a big thing here on Kings of the Podcast, and I uh, couldn't really find much about it. You you wore 24 in Chicago. You wore 24 in Montreal. Uh, you're coming here. You're wearing 24. I'm, I'm just curious. Tell us about the origins of 24, and also, uh, did you talk to Leas Anderson, or, or did somebody from the team have to tell him that you were taking over his number? Yes, I did talk to Leas, and... Um... Yeah, I mean, uh, I started uh, in Chicago. I got the number 24 when I got drafted, which is my birthday. So 
uh, 24th my birthday. So I just stuck with it, and um, it was available in Montreal. I really liked uh, 21 at that time, but uh, I still like it. But uh, 24, I just stuck with my number. I wanted that number my whole career, obviously. And uh, it cost me a Rolex uh, to get the Elias uh, numbers. <laughs> or, uh, it wasn't it wasn't cheap. Uh, you gotta say it, but uh, you know what? It's worth it. I'm I'm really happy to wear that jersey, and uh, obviously very nice for Elias to give me his number. It's I know it's a very uh, it's hard thing to do. So the kid strong armed you out of a watch, then, huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's good. It shaped pretty well. I gotta say it. <laughs> That's good to know. Now, you said you also like 21. I'm curious, did you ever pause for a moment and, and even think like, hey, I'm going to L.A. This is going to be this new adventure for me and my family. It's a new start. It's a fresh start. It's the second half of my career. Um, did you ever think like, hey, maybe I'll change to 21 or, or no? You Like you said a moment ago, you knew you knew the whole time that at this point you're all in on 24. Yeah, I um, they are, there was like a couple number open, but not many and I really like the number 10, but to be honest, I wanted to keep going on my 24. I uh, had some good vibe on it, and um, this is me. Uh, 24 is me, so um, it was great for Medias, uh, again, giving that number. All right, 24 is you. Now, how about this? You were in L.A. this week, I think, to uh, sort of tour the area, you and your wife and, and your young son. We'll get to that, but they also presented you with the Dano 24 jersey. Was it at that moment that the whole thing became real for you? Like, wow, I am a member of the LA Kings when you saw that Kings jersey with your name and number on the back of it. Yeah, and when I also I came in the room, I saw my jersey there, like you said, but um, it was just uh, an awesome feeling and obviously a big change, but um, my wife and I and my family were really excited to, for a new uh, second uh, career second half of my career and uh yeah it's a new start new uh, new energy new vibe uh, it's new city it's, i think it's gonna be awesome all right so before we get too wrapped up in the new energy uh here in los angeles let's go back in time a little bit because we mentioned montreal and the canadians but actually you were a first round pick by the chicago blackhawks in 2011 and uh, i'm just curious do you, i mean it was so long ago and it was you really weren't there very long so your more recent memories of course would be with the habs but do you have any memories uh, of being there in Chicago? And maybe were you part of the Black Aces in the 2015 playoffs or anything? Yeah, yeah I do have a lot of memories. Uh, even in Rockford, the AHL, uh, I played there two years. So mm-hmm. it was uh, great memories there. And I really needed that time there uh, to be uh, to become a pro. I was I was still playing uh, in the queue uh, at my hometown, uh, living with my parents. So it was like a big, uh, big change for me uh, and I don't think I could make it to the pro right away with all those changes. So um, it was great. I learned how to be a pro. And um, yeah, it was a, a huge, huge change. But I was obviously uh, a black ACS yes, in 2015 for the Stanley Cup. So it was a great um, experience as well. And see all those guys are winners. They won three cups in six years. So uh, it was great to learn from them. And also, uh, Dowdy, Quick, and. Um, and Kopi, they also, and Brown as well, they also won two cups, so uh, it's going to be great to learn from these guys. Okay, that was a good rebound there. Yeah, don't want to build up the Blackhawks. You rebounded very, very nicely and pivoted over to the Kings and, and propped up <laughs> propped up their four veterans. Good job. You're already fitting into the group. That's good. This is my team. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm going to clip that, and that's going to be the intro to the show. This is my team, and earlier you said, this is me, so I like that. That's good. Um, 
Now, you were born in Victoriaville, if I understand things correctly. Now, that's about 30 miles away from Drummondville, which is where they have the Marcel Dion Arena or the Marcel Dion Center, as I think it's called, with an E on the end, of course, the French spelling. Uh, Have you ever been to the Marcel Dion Arena about 30 minutes away there from your hometown? Uh, Yeah, I played there, too, a couple games against uh, Drummondville, the Voltigeur, Mm -hmm. they call it. Um, Yeah, we played a couple games there, and... Yeah, it's a great arena, great uh, great fan there too. So it was fun to play there. So so the Kings have had at least one legendary French player up until this point. I did mention Eric Belanger. There have been a couple of others, but uh, Marcel Dion, of course, being the most well-known and his, his numbers hanging in the rafters in Los Angeles. I, I did see recently that you compared yourself to Yannick Perot, and I'm just curious, I'm assuming then you grew up as a Habs fan, um, but you were only about four months old, if my math is right, when they won the Cup in 93, right? I don't think I can. Uh, I never said I compare myself to Yannick, but um, I did say though that I learned a lot from him because he was in Rockford with me. He ah. was giving me tip um, for face off, which he was a master uh, in the face off. So yeah, but I never said. I don't think I said that. Would you? I don't know. Yeah, it was probably an article that was lost in translation, though. So yeah, my 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 mistake. Then maybe you weren't comparing yourself to him. So you learned a lot from him. Well, maybe too- I say I said it. I don't remember. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> the, the real the real point was uh, I, I don't see a lot of Yannick Perot references in, in articles and whatnot, so I was curious by that, but you kind of explained it. So the two of you guys were together in Rockford, and yes, he was a face-off master, so you feel that you were able to learn a lot and gain a lot from, from Yannick? Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, Yannick was working with us in, uh, in Rockford for two years, and uh, right away when he came in, he had a couple of rules, and uh, show us and you talk to us about every little details. You know, center is always a, a huge battle and you got to be smart about those little things. And um, yeah, he helped me big time and obviously I, I could carry it uh, along my career. Yeah. Now at the time, if he was happened to be, if he was telling a Kings related story or a, time, a story about him being in Los Angeles, you might not have really paid much attention to it because you thought you were going to Chicago and then eventually, you know, spending all those years in Montreal. But have you thought back at all and tried to remember like, hey, did Yannick ever tell me anything about L.A.? Do you remember any story that he shared with you about being with the Kings? Uh, no, not really um, about the Kings. Uh, we didn't talk about that. Uh, we did talk a little bit about Chicago, but um, not uh, not too many. You know, okay. um, we did we did talk a lot about the uh, COVID though because he was uh, really good on draws. Mm-hmm. But uh, nothing particularly in uh, for LA. Okay, so you were talking about Kopitar even back then. Interesting. Um, now, we mentioned earlier that away from hockey, you have a wife, uh, Marie. You have a, a two-year-old son who, from what I understand, only speaks French right now. Um, so that'll that'll be an adjustment here. Um, back here in yeah. Southern California, the kids, uh, they go to beach camp. But I guess back in Quebec, you guys go to you guys go to woods camp. Is that is that correct? Is that a thing? Yeah, we go to wood camp with the uh, mosquitoes. And uh, here, uh, we go in California, we go to the beach with the sharks. So it's uh, a little, little change here. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> okay. I think there are far more mosquitoes uh, at woods camp than there are sharks at beach camp. I don't, I don't, yes. I wouldn't worry you about have the sharks. Way by a mosquito than a shark. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. Okay. Are, are you guys afraid of the sharks then? Is that is that what you're telling me, that you guys are a little nervous about the sharks? Uh, No. No, I think, uh, I don't know. It's pretty rare, I think, it yes. arrives. But, yes, very rare. Um, 
No, yeah, we're more afraid of a mosquito. Okay, yes, yes. So, uh, yes, so your son is not going to be attending Woods Camp uh, back in Quebec, at least not during the season. Now, what's the plan there? Do you guys plan on, like, permanently, officially relocating, and will you be based out of Los Angeles for these next six years, or are you going to do that whole thing where, like, you kind of live in L.A. during the season, and then you, you go back home uh, to Quebec City during the off season? What Do you guys have a plan yet? And. Uh, no plan, but what we want to do is buy a house, that's for sure. We want to establish ourselves there and uh, get a, a normal life uh, in L.A., that's for sure. And, uh, you know, it's like, he, let's say you like, you really like it. And like we did last, uh, we went there like uh, three days ago for mm-hmm. three days. So it was awesome. We really like it. But you never know, like you play there six years, it becomes your your home. And uh, you may, maybe you want to stay there or you get a job there. Who knows? Like, so uh, it's... Uh, yeah, uh, it's interesting. We don't know about the future, but uh, we definitely want to get house. Yeah, we don't need to worry about your post-playing days career because uh, the expectation is that you no, exactly. you already you have a job for many many years to come here in Los Angeles. Now, most of the Kings players, I'm sure that uh, the PR staff told you this, but most of the Kings players live kind of in the South Bay area, which I think they took you on a on a brief tour of. Um, there was uh, there was at least one player that opted to go a completely different direction, which was Willie Mitchell. He chose to live kind of north of LAX and he was up there in the Venice sort of Santa Monica area. Do you think you uh, do you think you guys are going to settle more in the South Bay, kind of in, you know where most of the LA Kings players are based? Or are you not sure yet? Yeah, I think we'll go with the boys, <laughs> the boys and girls, and uh, stick around. They can show us around, hang out together. I think uh, we want to be in the same uh, same area. Okay, now through the years, different players have had sort of different um, carpool arrangements as well. So, are you are you the are in the carpool to the practice rink? Are you the driver in those scenarios, or you like to be the passenger and let one of your teammates drive you to the rink? No, um, I like to drive. I like to drive, and also those roads there are awesome. Like uh, in Montreal, there's a lot of uh, hole, a pothole, and because uh, the snow, the uh, the winter is so hard on roads, so it's uh, it's hard to drive, but. Uh, the road in L.A. is awesome, so uh, it's going to be uh, good to drive. I want to drive. Okay, so there you go. So we'll have to spread the word around the L.A. Kings. If anybody is tired of driving to the rink, uh, you have an extra seat in your car, and you, you'll be willing to take them. Now, um, from what I understand, oh, when yes. you were when, – <laughs> Oh, yeah. When you, were, um, when you were touring L.A. this week, nobody recognized you, which I'm, I'm guessing has to be pretty awesome to sort of just, it, it almost would feel like you're on vacation, right? Because you can't walk three blocks in Montreal without probably being accosted by people. Here, nobody knows who you are. So how, how cool was that? That's exactly how we felt, like vacation. And uh, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. And uh, we were doing our little things, uh, living the normal life, kind of, which is uh, way different. Um, which, I mean, it's not a bad thing in Montreal, too. The fans are really into it. They're a little smaller, obviously. LA's so big and so many sports. And, um, yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. And I, I was telling Mary and my wife, uh, this is so weird. We're going to live for six years. Nobody recognizes us. This is a huge difference. And uh, it's also peaceful mentally. Yes, of course. Um, now, signing in Los Angeles, just, just for a moment, I guess, Take us through some of the emotions, the process, right? Because I'm sure it's not easy. You're you're attached to the Canadians. That was your team. You, especially coming off of a run to the Stanley Cup final, you're so you know invested in that group, in in the boys in the room, if you will. And then now you're thinking about 
take us back to a month or so ago, you're thinking about leaving and another team wants you. What's that like to go through that, uh, that process? Uh, it was hard to be honest. Like, uh, it was, uh, even hard to celebrate, uh, when we signed, it was a big shock, um, uh, for my wife and I, and obviously we went to the, the furthest team, uh, possible, but you know what? It was hard, but it was also easy because LA really showed us some love and, uh, they, they really took care of us and they, they took the time to, to talk to us and, um, like to understand what I really wanted and they knew right away what I wanted. So, um, my role and everything. So that was, uh, the, the huge part. And they show me that they want me in their organization for a long time and they respect me on every side of it. So, um, it was, Honestly, it wasn't even a question. LA was the most uh, involved team on us, and uh, they really wanted us. And I believe in this team. I believe in those young guys coming up. And um, listen, we had like some young guys in Montreal, like KK Suzuki, those young centers, and uh, we made a long run. So I really believe in our centers too, and um, and our, the whole team as well uh, in LA. And I I really like the fact when he told me they want to turn this around and make the playoff and everything. So. Um, I think uh, we're going to go on the right way for the next six years for sure. Now, I asked Alex Edler this the other day. What's it like joining a team that you didn't even play last year? Because last year was such a weird season, right? Where even if you're normally an Eastern Conference team, you would have seen a Western Conference team twice. So you would have a, a little bit of a sense of what that team is all about. But you haven't played against the Kings in two years. And so, what, you know, what do you know about the LA Kings at this point other than maybe what they told you during those those phone calls? Yeah, that was uh, the the other hard part. We didn't know anything about them, and obviously, not watching a lot of games, uh, the time change is so uh, such a big uh, gap. Just watching the highlight, but uh, we played a little bit against them last couple of years. Obviously, different team, but uh, you know, I knew Kopitar was a really hard player against uh, play against Saudi. Um, they won the cup as well, like uh, good veterans. Um, but yeah, like it's such, it was such a big change on every side of it, like. Uh, city hockey or system everything uh it's just i don't know they, like i said they really liked me and they showed me some love and uh, it was a, an easy decision for me uh, to go there and i liked uh, those new stars i mean it's fun to um, to get a new vibe and new fan base and um so a new team as well i mean i obviously had some great memories with montreal and a group of uh boys that were really tight um, but yeah, I, I want to recreate, I want to create something new here in, uh, in LA and I'm very proud to be LA Kings. Well, it sounds good. And we appreciate your time today. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. couple quick questions then to wrap it up here. You mentioned Drew Doughty. He's known for his chirps on the ice. Uh, has he ever gotten after you? Has he ever given you a good chirp when you guys were facing off when you were with the Habs and he was with the Kings? <laughs> Yeah, he is chirping. He likes slashing too. I remember he slashed me. <laughs> but I think if he slashed me, it's because he liked me as a player. Okay. I think I took that as a compliment. So, okay. <laughs> so, that, so it was so, great, uh, great first talk with uh, Drew. Okay. So, so, so in the real world, if you like somebody, you kind of fist bump them when you see them. But in Drew's world, you slash them, and that's a sign of respect. Yeah, that's what I uh, was. Uh, I got uh, okay. from that. Uh, that right. <laughs> we'll go. We'll go with that. Uh, and you mentioned that Todd McClellan, Coach Coach McClellan, um, the Todd father, was on the call with you, uh, or at least on one of the calls. So you know, did he share with you who were your wingers then? Uh, Leah Sanderson, the guy who you had to buy a Rolex for. Are we talking Kempe, uh, Gabe Velarde. Who, who do you think you'll be lining up with as your wingers this year? I don't know. Uh, to be honest, uh, we did talk about it, but. 
it changed a lot in the season. Uh, obviously, uh, I'm sure he wants to create a chemistry with uh, uh, with a couple guys, but I can't tell really for him uh, from his aspect. Uh, from his point of view, what he really, who he wants me to play with, or uh, how. But I'll, one thing I know, I'll just give everything I got every night, and whoever I play with, I'll be I'll be ready. How do you create chemistry with? players that maybe you've never played with before right so so when you come to training camp it's day one how do you create some chemistry with a couple of guys uh i think chemistry come with work ethic um the i mean i'm obviously a hard worker so uh, you can have a little bit of a change like you can have a goal scorer with me i'm more of a passer like um yeah i don't know it just comes uh with work ethic to be in my opinion Okay. Uh, and then lastly, just so that people can get to know you sort of off the ice, what do you have any hobbies? What are you into? Um, obviously, your your two-year-old probably keeps you pretty busy, but what are you into these days? You know, music? What what other type of stuff do you like? Uh, a little wake surf uh, on the lake here and in uh, Quebec City. So uh, I, go, I like to go on the boat, uh, just enjoy it. And it's like a, it's almost like a med- meditation on the lake and, it's, you know, there's nobody around. So it's great uh, to be around here. All right, plenty of. It's oppor- also great to be in LA, though. <laughs> the vibe is really peaceful. Yes, I I do Seriously. like the I do like the fact that you keep referencing um, how peaceful it is and how great it is here. Uh, you know, you can kind of true slip into the crowd and nobody really knows who you are. So yes, there'll be plenty of times for uh, peace and meditation uh, here in here in Los Angeles, and uh, hopefully the next six years are very fruitful for you and that you're able to uh, to to get everything that you want out of this new and exciting change for you. You're bringing. You're bringing number 24 to L.A., and uh, I guess you only have about a month to go, and training camp's opening up. Yeah, only a month to go, and obviously my goal doesn't change from one team to another. Like, I really want that cup. Well, I think that uh, people in Los Angeles would would certainly welcome a return to the playoffs and then going on some sort of a Stanley Cup run because while it is great that in, uh, here in L.A. that, you know, the Kings were able to win those two cups, it has been a long time. The uh, You know, not as long as maybe some other teams, but it, it feels like a complete lifetime ago at this point given all the stuff that the Kings have gone through since 2014. So this summer it was uh, it was nice to see. I think most of the fans agree that it was nice to see the organization turning the page, adding yourself, Alex Edler, making the trade for uh, Victor Arvidsson. There, there's there's a new sense of enthusiasm coming into training camp. So uh, hopefully you're feeling that as well as a player. Oh, yeah, big time. That's uh, one of the reasons I signed too. Like uh, I wanted to be part of that um, uh, new chapter. All right, Phil, we're going to let you run. You only have a month left of your uh, your summer, so we're going to let you run. Thanks for stopping by Kings of the Podcast. Uh, this is your first appearance. Maybe we'll get you back on during the season. Enjoy the rest of the summer, and uh, hope you and your family have a, a great trip out to Los Angeles, and we'll see you in September. All right, John, thank you very much. Hey, talk, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, there you go, Phil Deneau. And we'll be back after the break. We'll talk more about that.
to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Okay, welcome back. Third period, Kings of the Podcast. Thanks again to Philippe Deneau for joining us, or Phil, as he uh, let us know. That's his nickname, which is that's a pretty easy nickname, uh, Phil. Uh, thanks for joining us here all the way from Canada and uh, getting giving us an opportunity to get to know him a little bit better, DB. Absolutely, and uh, certainly uh, a good guy. Look, covered him in Montreal, as you know, I'm on the air a lot in Montreal. Just a good guy. I know some, some criticism about his offense, whatever. Like, this is a, a good teammate. Um, his his teammates really love him, so I'm sure he'll acclimate himself very well here in Los Angeles. All right. Uh, Dennis, now I don't want to turn this into the TMZ hour, but uh, I think it is timely, interesting news to discuss, at least, or at least to mention um, as a little tip of the cap. So a lot of people online, on Twitter especially, going crazy here recently. Bruce Springsteen's daughter ended up winning an Olympic gold medal, I believe, or a medal. Uh, mm-hmm. There is another famous person who was connected to an Olympic gold medal that ties back to the LA Kings. So uh, he of the new contract, actually, recently, Andreas Athanasiu, his girlfriend, did you know this, Dennis? Won an Olympic no. medal, a gold medal. She's a golfer, apparently. Did not know this. Uh, but there are pictures circulating of him as her caddy kind of holding her bag. Now, not at the Olympics. I haven't seen any pictures of him at the Olympics, so I can't confirm that he was there. But apparently he's been at a few of her, um, I guess they're LPGA tournaments uh, and stuff before. Her name is Nellie Corda, I think. Uh, so, yeah, she won a gold medal. So good on her. So I'm sure that Double uh, A is excited. He ends up with a new contract. His, his lady friend uh, ends up with a gold medal. Not a bad summer for that couple. It's been a good month for Double for A. So, yeah. It's too bad that uh, that didn't happen, you know, kind of earlier. No, did we have him on the podcast? I, I don't remember. I don't think we did now that I'm saying it. No, I don't think we've ever okay. had him. As a, well, then there you go. I was going to say too bad that it didn't happen before we had him on the podcast, but he hasn't actually been on yet. So we'll have to book him sometime on uh, this coming season. And there we, ha- we now have a little interesting tidbit or a story to, uh, to bring up and, and uh, share with him or for to have, to have him share with us. Maybe he was over there in Tokyo. Who knows? Um, DB, uh, Twitter. Uh, while you were gone, Cal, uh, not Cal Peterson, uh, Robin Leonard, let me get the story straight. Robin Leonard puts out a tweet. He was doing a Q&A with fans, which, of course, fans always appreciate when athletes or celebrities are interacting with them on Twitter. He was like, hey, have some time to burn. You know, would you guys have some questions? And one of the questions was, excluding yourself, which I thought was a fair disqualifier, disqualifier um, who do you think are the top five goalies in the NHL? And he rattled off actually six players, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but he rattled off the names, and Cal Peterson was one of those names. Just wanted to get your uh, your interesting take on that. He did mention John Gibson as well. He also mentioned Tuka Rask and uh, Vasilevsky. So, you know, I mean, there's some some former Cup winners, some former Conn Smythe winners, uh, some former Vesna winners, and John Gibson, who has been in the Vesna conversation, and Cal Peterson. What do you think of that? Can the guy win a big game instead of going on Twitter and tell me who the top five goalies are in the league? Okay, so... I think that's your I think that's your take. I was surprised that some of the reaction was negative to his top five, not about the players, but about Marc Andre Fleury, because he named five players and there's a period, and then he right. says flower. So I I mean, I don't really think of that as being disrespectful. If it was, it was very underhanded and like slight. Like I mean, he mentioned flower. He didn't have to mention him. He could have just named five other guys. Did you see did you think that it was disrespectful the way that he included Marc Andre Fleury? No, no, but I don't, I don't care what Robin Leonard has to say, John. Like, the guy is all over the place, and I get, like, the mental health issues and stuff, but the guy is, like, 
like concentrate on like you know living up to your contract and by the way they traded the best guy to keep you so that's yeah. what my focus would be on i get it you want to engage the fans and and i i'm 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 couching my criticism because i do want engagement from players mm-hmm. no matter what the medium is but like that guy i like you know right. i don't know i mean i mean you know look i i maybe have a little grudge because when we reported that he had the contract extension agreed to in the playoffs Right, and he denied it. Like when we knew it happened, to me, that's that's why he's not at the top of my list of favorite players. Okay, so there you go. A little personal grudge. I understand it now. You've come clean. That's good. Um, my my larger point is really this: that it immediately reminded me, and this is just my take. It immediately sure. reminded me of all the criticism that Drew Doughty has taken over the last couple of years, and yet when they did the NHL players poll, the NHLPA poll that they do every year, Drew Doughty was once again still remaining in the top five so around the league peers and contemporaries you know they all have still continued to think that drew Doughty is a top five defenseman which kind of throws cold water on media and fan criticism a little bit and so that's just that was that was really to me why it was interesting is that um cal peterson uh from my perspective from the day that he was signed by los angeles i've been saying he's the heir apparent to jonathan quick and for the first couple of years when he was in ontario not a lot of people in the hockey world uh in you know the the larger hockey twitter pool if you will really had a clue of who cal peterson was and then last year him playing more games than, than jonathan quick actually so you could almost argue that he was the starter last year as he's trying to wrestle the job away more people now are aware of cal peterson and so robin leonard playing in the the division, the same division with him, which I would consider him to be not just a peer, but a peer that had an opportunity to see him up close and personal. I thought that part of it was interesting that um, a peer would recognize Cal Peterson. I certainly, look, I don't mean this as a slight because I like Cal Peterson and I certainly have done a, a, a fair enough job of pumping his tires over the last three years. I wouldn't say he's a top five goalie in the NHL. Uh, he could be, he might be, but a top five goalie right now? I mean, that's, that's a hell of a compliment. I guess that's where I was going. The, the body of work isn't there, John. He, he technically might be like one of the best goalies, right? But the body of work just isn't there to support that argument when you consider all the other names that he passed on, right? So I think that I think he's I think when Leonard looks at a guy like that, he has the potential to be that player, mm-hmm. but just just based on the numbers themselves, I don't see it. Which is well, not I- disrespect to to the opinion or to that player. Yeah, no, totally. That's that's the whole point, though, Dennis. Is that it, I I yeah. don't. I don't say it as a disrespect. Like, if anybody has been paying attention, they know what I think of Cal Peterson. Of course. Um, You know, but at the same time, it's like, wow, that is a hell of a statement. It also reminded me of something else, Dennis, because in the fall of 2009, so again, you have to look at the timeline here. Fall of 2009. This is years, years before Jonathan Quick won a Stanley Cup and won a Conn Smythe. And I have referenced this conversation in this comment. I was talking to Sean O'Donnell. Uh, in Las Vegas, coincidentally, uh, during the Frozen Fury weekend, I believe it was. And Sean O'Donnell said to me that he believes that Jonathan Quick is a future Stanley Cup winner. Now, it was a comment that he sort of made in passing, like we weren't having an hour-long discussion about Jonathan Quick, but it was one of those comments that stuck with me, and I've written about it. There's an article on Mayor's Manor. You can go back and you can read it that I published a few times, including republished in 2012, in February of 2012, I think, when they were actually in the lead-up to the Cup. But if you think about that, the timeline, October, September, whatever it was, of 2009, before Jonathan Quick was Jonathan Quick, and here is a veteran NHL defenseman saying, that guy is going to win a Stanley Cup. That's how good he is. 
it's interesting. It is interesting for to have a peer to say Cal Peterson is one of the top five goalies. If it plays out, Dennis, yeah. if it plays out the way that the Kings hope that it plays out over the next couple of years, it would be pretty interesting that like Robin Leonard was was in early on the uh, on the Cal <laughs> Peterson stock. So we'll put a pin in it for now, Dennis, and maybe maybe we can revisit it uh, three or four years from now. Sounds good, Jay. Okay, the uh, the other big breaking news. Uh, I'll do this in sort of order of importance, Dennis. Uh, well, we have we have Kale Clegg coming up on the next program. That's pretty exciting. We've been trying to track him down this summer, and he's had some some things, some hurdles to clear. Right? We had the expansion draft, which we talked yep. about at length for a long time. But Kale Clegg, he of the new contract with the LA Kings, he'll be back for one more year. He will be fighting for that seventh spot in Los Angeles. Can't wait to talk to Kale and have him. Uh, tell us, you know, funny stories perhaps about Robo and uh, and Stutz and, and talk about what it's like trying to break into the NHL, former second-round pick of the LA Kings. We also have a development camp coming up next week. Now, I'm not expecting Clegg to be there because typically third-year players, they're not always included. So I'm not, but maybe he will be. I don't know. We're waiting for the Kings to give us the, uh, the roster. But development camp is coming up next week, Dennis. And then you have um, on 828, the big event at Staples Center. But the return of Mayor's Manor Live. I, I joked on Twitter, maybe. That years before Kings of the Podcast, there was Mayor's Manor Live. You were a guest on there many times with me. Uh, but it wasn't really live. That was the funny part. It was live to tape. <laughs> but we're actually actually going to do a live episode of Mayor's Manor Live. It will be live, as in while I'm talking, people can listen if they so choose to do so. So all the details of that will be coming up. Mayor's Manor Live will make its debut next Monday from TSPC at Development Camp. But here was really the big breaking news uh, that took place over the weekend, DB. The LA Kings will only wear three jerseys next season. Only three over the course of 82 games. That's quite the departure from this past season where they wore five jerseys over 56 (laughs) games. So every couple days you were wondering what they were changing into, but uh, they wore five jerseys over 56 (laughs) games. But this next season, not only, Dennis, are they only going to wear three jerseys, Two of the jerseys are from their current lineup. That's the long-standing black and white home and road jersey. And their silver jersey, which has been their alternate jersey for about the last five years, the, Saturday, the silver Saturday, as I call it, because they only on Saturdays, the silver jersey is going into the vault for a couple of years. Uh, it will not be part of the rotation, which means they're having, they're going to have, I should say, a new alternate jersey. And it also, I, I guess, it means, but... We've known this. I don't know why people are finding it as a surprise. The reverse retro is not coming back for next season. And I say it's not a surprise, DB, because we've also been talking about that since November of last year. When the reverse retros were announced, they were only supposed to be a one-year thing. Now, some people had speculated, hoped, whatever, that because they were so wildly successful, that they would have brought them back for a second year. But the planning, I think it was Cheeseman, Kelly Cheeseman, who came on the program several months ago, maybe in April, and was telling us, like, hey, they make these jersey announcements and, 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 and not announcements, excuse me, they make the jersey plan several years in advance, the right. league and the teams and the supply chain and everything else. And so they can't just pivot and say, like, oh, let's bring the reverse retros back the second season. So reverse retros were only last year. However, we have confirmed that reverse retro 2.0 is coming in the 2022-2023 season. So well, they'll take a break for a year. And then they're coming back. And I don't even want to begin to speculate what reverse retro 2.0 is going to look like because just like for reverse retro 1.0, they have a whole, the Kings have a whole laundry list of former jerseys they could take and they could flip around and they could convert. I will just say that secretly, privately, I hope that the jersey is going to be the white version 
of the most recent reverse retro. And I included mm. that in the story on mayorsmanor.com. Man- Can't even say the name of the website. Um, there's a white version of that jersey, right. which in my opinion that. looks looks pretty sharp, if you ask me. So it looks uh, really nice. But but not the not the not one is not gonna come back. It's gonna be a different ver- ver- well the, the foreign blue and gold. Yes. So I what I can't confirm is that it's never coming back. This is just purely speculation on my part, TB. Purely sure. pure speculation. Got it. I think because they've already decided to go the 2.0 route. I could see 2.0 coming out in the 2022-23 season, and then maybe a year or two after that, sure, you circle back to the reverse retro 1.0s. Again, Make, nobody's told me this. I'm just guessing. The reason I'm suggesting that is those jerseys were so successful that by now you'd be looking at like five years from now, right? Four right, years right. at the minimum. Four to five years from now, people will be – hungry for that jersey again and people that sure. didn't get it the first time around are going to want it the second time and odb oh, by the way uh, fans did not get to see those jerseys in person except for that right. one extra game game that, that you came from you basically well it was an idea yes and thank you to the That's kings awesome. for adding that game but there were only like what 1500 fans 2000 fans in staples right. so correct those jerseys have yet to play in front of a full house so that would be pretty cool if in four to five years. I also think, TB, it's hard to project four to five years out because so many things can change <laughs> between now and then. But um, I think that there are at least three things on the horizon. If you're a Jersey fan, there are three things to be excited about. Number one, the Kings will have a new alternate Jersey for this upcoming season. And we'll have more on that later. Uh, you know, we, we look forward to hopefully breaking that story. Mayor's Manor has a long tradition of of breaking the story when it comes to LA Kings jersey. So that more on that later, but you have the new alternate jersey. Then the following year, 2022-23, you're going to have the reverse retro 2.0 and we'll be all over that story as well as it develops. And then the following year, Dennis, the Kings are hoping to, nothing's confirmed, but the Kings are hoping to get back in the cycle again of being in an outdoor game or playing internationally, mm-hmm. which means a specialty jersey for that season. I have confirmed, and I did report it on mayorsmanor.com, that uh, nothing special, no outdoor games, no international games or whatever, the Kings are not included for the next two seasons. So even if the NHL decides to go back in the 2022-23 season, which is two years from now, even if the NHL goes back and does that, the Kings are not expected to be included in any of that. But the year after that, they could be, so you could have three years in a row of new jerseys, Dennis. You could have the alternate, wow. you could have the reverse retro 2.0, and then you could have the special event jersey. Pretty exciting, if you ask me. Oh, absolutely. That's and for I know there's some people whining about it's just about money, but you know, like you said, if you don't like it and it's not your jam, then just move on and don't whine about it. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand that comment. I really don't because. That's what business, first of all, just like in general, Dennis, that's what businesses do. Businesses are in business to make money and they develop new products or new services to offer to consumers. And then based upon consumer reaction, which basically they vote with their wallet, right? It's not about which jersey is the prettiest in a a vote. They vote with their wallet. And so whatever sells, that's what you're, you're indicating to the businesses uh, hey, that's a, the public likes that. Make more of those, right? So this happens all the time. Like Levi's comes out, like 501s have been around yeah. for whatever, but like they still keep coming out with new Levi's, the 511, the 513, and so on. Ford keeps updating the Mustang. Like it, it's gone through many iterations from 1966 until now, <laughs> right? So 
I just don't understand when people, oh, it's a cash grab. They're trying to take money from us. You know, it's like, no, they're, I mean, yes, they're trying to make money, but they're not trying to take your money. It's not mandatory. Like if you're a season ticket holder, you don't have to buy the jersey to hold on to your season tickets. I I just don't understand. And I use the analogy of the McRib just because the McRib, I don't know why, but it's the McRib is a specialty item, right? So like McDonald's doesn't always make the McRib available, but when they do, our fa- this is a real question. Seriously, do the fans of McDonald's get upset? Are they like, I can't believe McDonald's is trying to rip uh, us off? Wait a minute now. <laughs> Hold on, Mr. Dodger. Hold on, Mr. Dodger. With okay. those blue hats with the script D, yeah. you, you never Terrible. bought into those. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> exactly. No, but, but that's exactly my point. So if you like the traditional Dodger hat with the LA on the front, you vote with your wallet. When they come up Got with it. that ridiculous. D script. <laughs> no, nobody should have ever purchased that. Anybody listening that purchased that hat, please take it to your trash can right now and throw it away. That is not a Dodger okay. hat. All right. Get rid of it. Uh, wait a minute. I got a, a great question for you. This is a perfect question for you, John. And it okay. goes to my experience at City Field this weekend. Um, would you buy a black Dodger jersey? No. Like authentic? No. no. Like the Mets do? No. No. The Dodgers right. don't okay. wear a black jersey. Okay. So, no, I, I also wouldn't buy a red Dodger hat or a yellow okay. Dodger hat Got or it. any of the, the only other color besides blue. No, I'm saying if, if, Don, if, 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 if the Dodgers came out with a black jersey, they wore in a game. Okay, they wore Would you in be game? interested? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, You're let me Mr. finish Black. my other thought, just so you know. Go the ahead. only other Dodger hat that I would wear would be a green hat because they wear a green hat every year on St. Patrick's Day. Right. They also right. wear a green and white jersey. Um, yeah. But back to your back to your point, would I if the Dodgers wore a black jersey, maybe let's just make up something. So like they wore a black jersey every Sunday. If that was their jersey, yeah. Would I want a black Dodger jersey? I would say no. I okay. wouldn't want one. It doesn't feel right to me. I, I okay. but I would say this. I don't. I don't begrudge any fan who liked it and was and, and bought it. Yeah. And if somebody yeah. else was like, hey, that jersey is really sharp. That is their best jersey ever. I want to own that. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, you can. Okay. Yeah. But if people okay. said that should be their full-time jersey, I would say, well, I disagree with you. That shouldn't be their full-time jersey because no, the no, Dodgers' no. colors are blue and white. No. So, no, come that, on. That, no. Which is why I guess I debate when people get all worked up and say that the reverse retro should be their full-time jersey i'm like well no it shouldn't because the kings have largely been black silver and white since 1988 so they're they're and people say well their original colors were foreign blue and gold yes they were they moved away from them in 1988 the organization has been black silver and white longer than it's been foreign blue and gold now that doesn't mean that i don't think the foreign blue and gold look nice they do it doesn't mean that i would be opposed all those jerseys were great they pop for come on but Dennis, I would also argue, here's my opinion. Yeah. I would also suggest those jerseys are great for a third jersey. I don't necessarily think that the Kings are best served by going to Forum Blue and Gold as their primary Full home time. and home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they're great as a specialty jersey. I agree. Love it. I agree. So yep. 100%. Yeah. Uh, I'm not buying a black Dodger jersey, though. So sorry. Okay. All right. not, All would right. you? Would you buy one? I would. Th- it would. I'd have to. It would be such a. Because what would the lettering be? Would it? it would it like be silver? Like you know, it's like silver like black black. and the numbers and the numbers would be silver or red. Or white. It's, it could be white. It would be such a departure. Like yeah. I like the Mets. Like the Mets do it on Friday nights, and I thought it, it's kind of cool. But as an as an option, I, I don't. I'd have to see it, John. 
and have to see the actual layout and design of the jersey to yeah. say yes or no. See, it's the same thing for me with the Mets jersey. Like, I don't like that. It doesn't look mm-hmm. – I mean, I look at it and I go, okay, fine. Some people can like it. That's cool. But when I think mm-hmm. of the Mets, I think of blue and orange. I don't think of yeah, black, yep. you know? Yep. Like, mm-hmm. yep. it's like when the Sharks came out with their black jersey. I don't understand that. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't – that's not That's not the color of the team. It's the they color were teal. Of the team. They're teal, they're silver, they're white, you know, or gray. I don't know if they're, I don't know where they land on the gray versus silver argument like we have here in LA, but <laughs> right, they're, right. they're teal, white, and some other color, which is like a grayish <laughs> silver color. I don't, I don't want to offend any Sharks fans. We'll have to call no. Rangers and ask him what the, if it's gray or if it's silver, but it's not black. When I think of the Sharks, they're not, yeah. it's, it's not black. Yep. Agreed. All right, Dennis. Fantastic episode. Uh, really, thanks again to Philippe Deneau. Phil, I'm sorry, Phil. It's going to take a while. Phil, to me, is CM Punk. That's Phil. I don't really know any other <laughs> Phils, uh, but I'll have to get used to that. He's he's Phil, Phil Deneau, he of number 24. We're still awaiting word from um, Leah Anderson what number he will be switching to. I think it's 25, but I could be wrong. It's just a, a hunch or a guess. It's the only other number in the 20s that's still available, if I remember correctly, because I think that Tikachev is taking number 21. So we'll see. Who knows? Maybe he goes Christian Wolan, and he goes completely off the board and takes a, a high number. Uh, you know, uh, who knows? What, what is uh, – he was 24. 42. 42 is available. Maybe 42. he just inverse, you know, does the inverse. Like um, the kid uh, Vitaly Yachmanev did that. He was yes. 34 in junior, and he wore 43 with the Kings. So – there's my advice to Leah Anderson. Pick that number. Uh, DB, you're going to be in town this week. You're going to be around so we can knock out the Kill Clegg episode? Or you have Absolutely, Jay. No, no trips going on. We're going to have uh, – we're actually having a, a Hawaiian luau party on Saturday. and uh, But I will be in town um, all week. So, yeah, let's knock out another one this week. All right. So coming up later this week, we'll have Kale Clegg. And then coming up next week, we will be live coming to you from Development Camp. Until then, everybody, have a great day. And we'll talk to you soon.